What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined today for another Dynasty discussion by the man who along with who along with me and the rest of the roster watch crew, but the, but the guy who's definitely heading up our dynasty rankings that we'll be providing to Dynasty Depot uh, here in 2021 for the startup rankings is Mr. Alan Seslowski. Alan, we were talking before we came on. It's starting to feel like draft season because we just put in for our credentials to the senior bowl, brother. Yeah, it's it's always interesting that when the fantasy football season ends, it's actually just the beginning for roster watch. That that's what the 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 funny thing to me is. Well, yeah, and and like I'll I'll bring it up here too because I knew that, like people might find it interesting that like this senior bowl is going to be different. For one, it's been at the the game has been at Lad People's Stadium in downtown, pretty close to downtown Mobile for the last eighty years. It's where practices have been. It's where this will be our either our 10th or 11th straight year covering the senior bowl. I'm so glad that we're going to be able to keep the tradition going. I was worried that they were, we're going to get swindled out of it. I feel like we're probably going to get swindled out of the combine. Um, but, you know, pro days should be generally should be on, especially the ones that are late. Who, who knows how this thing will go? Maybe by March and April, things will be, you know, things will be really trending back in the right way. But you feel like with the combine, man, they're you're packed in like sardines at that place. I don't think they're going to allow, you know, 2,500 media inside the you know in an in, in indoor facility there in indianapolis but at the senior bowl it's going to be at a new stadium university of south alabama um it's and the players coming like some of these players are good some of these dudes are dudes who like opted out of their senior season we haven't seen them in a while some of these guys are um real you know at the wide receiver position at least some real high profile dudes it, but it's gonna be a different year because no radio row so we won't have any live radio shows from there the, and that's because media is not going to be allowed inside the team hotel, which is always such a cool place to get information and talk to scouts and everything like that. There's probably not going to be as many people hanging out at V's and, you know, we're not going to be able to do as much rumor kind of uh, foraging to talk to some of these scouts or some of these NFL folks. Cause I don't know if people are going to be socializing or what it's going to be really weird, but and um, most importantly, you're not going to be able to get those, those IDs, those iconic IDs, like the Hunter Henry frog in the voice ID. I mean, <laughs> Those to me, I mean, that's what Roster Watch Nation wants the most of those IDs. Well, we'll we'll get those because I feel like we're going to be able to. St we're still going to go to the training facilities where these guys train with their trainers and stuff, and we'll be able to get them then. But it feels like there'll be pretty strict protocols there. Look, the most important thing is we're going to have our eyes there. We'll have me and Byron there, and we'll be able to watch every snap of practice for you know four straight practices. We won't get to go to the weigh-ins, which which kind of sucks. But we'll get all the we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get all the weigh-in information. But you know, it, it it always is about these practices and seeing how these players interact with these coaches and how they do in these drills versus these other really really good players. It's where we've identified so many, just so many players over the years, and so excited to get back uh, get back there and do it. I, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be very. There's a bunch of people who normally go, man, who just like they're. I've talked to them. They're just not. They're. I don't know. They're just like well, they don't want to go. I think that, and they have, there's your leg up. 
is that maybe since there's not going to be the same level of attendance in person, that there's going to be opportunities when you go down there that may not have uh, been present, you know, should this been a normal year? You never know. I think that, uh, I mean, as dedicated as roster watch is to, to getting all these details, um, I, I think that it's going to work out, work out in our favor here. So uh, I'm optimistic and the televised coverage has never been better. So if there's anything that you ever need to, you know, double and triple check back on, everything's recorded. Now uh, I know there's nothing like being boots on the ground, which you're going to be, but uh, I think that you guys are going to be able to make it work in a way where others are just going to kind of punt this year. So I'm excited yeah. to see what you guys bring back. Yeah. And, and the X and, and the XO studio there too, once you get there, you can generally find somebody to give you the, um, give you the password to watch the, to watch the coaches tape of, of practice. You can just do that from your phone once you're home. So, you know, just double check on everything. And man, once things get back to normal next year, says Lowski, you, you need to come down there to mobile, dude, and have some, have some fun with us, dude. It's a good time. And it's a great way to get to see these guys and really kick off the dynasty stuff. If you're going to be, if you're gonna be heading this head, head heading this kind of stuff up for us. So. Oh, absolutely. That would be, that would be a, a dream come true for me. One, just to go down there and obviously to go with you guys to, to learn, you know, the, the ins and outs of what to look for. So, uh, but yeah, this is where it all starts. This is uh, you, you talked about like our dynasty rankings, rankings that we're going to be supplying to dynasty depot. I consider myself the gatekeeper of them, but, uh, like you said, you guys are all, uh, all putting your, your flavoring into the soup here. And that's, what's going to make this, uh, and, I, it's, I think, it's slapping down our iron fists about certain things <laughs> <laughs> which, again, which is fine. You know, at the end of the day, it's sometimes if, if you have a hard line take on something and putting down the iron fist something you know I, I listen to you guys you guys are you have you have years of experience and that's what this is it's a push and pull of of different uh, observations and analytics and that's why i think these are going to be some of the the best dynasty rankings out there right now because it's going to have a lot of different um a, a lot of different viewpoints all pushed into one master set of rankings all right so the first thing i want to talk about it seems like you've already adjusted for here in the rankings and maybe it's just like a philosophical discussion just about the age of these guys and what is appropriate about about having these guys in the top you know with your top five-ish picks who are age 27 and 28 when we look at the case of uh, most specifically I think DeAndre Hopkins but also Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas um well, here it, if you're going to build a dynasty team with wide receivers, there's three ways you can go, right? I mean, and none of them are the incorrect way. You can go with a total youth movement, meaning like you could take guys at the top in the first two rounds, like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson. That is one way to build your core dynasty wide receivers. The other way is to go with the guys that are in the peak production years, the age 24 to 27 range. Those are your Stefan Diggs types of receivers. The last way to go, and it's not an incorrect way, is to build your dynasty roster with a Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and a Michael Thomas type, the 28 plus, the guys that are at the, the end of their peak. So I think that it's, like you said, it's a philosophical build and there's no incorrect way to do it if you're going with a wide receiver build. Okay. Uh, I, I think that there, I think there is an incorrect way to do it though. I, 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 do, I do. I think that it's bad to build a startup team around wide around wide receivers that you're you know spending significant draft capital on who are past who, I mean honestly who are past like 25 I think I, I I know that some of these dudes 
you know, you're going to, you know, look, I mean, Calvin Ridley's 25. He's a, he's kind of, Calvin Ridley's kind of old for as long as he's been in the league. But uh, look, man, I just, if you just look, I, I look sometimes, uh, do you play, do, do you ever play over on, on, a, on Apex, like any Apex leagues? Is Apex a platform? If it is, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, play, yeah. Okay. No. All right. So they, they have like content over there. One of the things that they, uh, that they update every year is the, um, is the age is actually the age apex stuff for wide receivers and like wide receiver peak ages. And just, if you, if you just look at it, I mean, the, the graph kind of says it all. It's like, you know, there's at age 21, it's only been, the, the only guy who's ever had a peak season of his career at age 21, at least thus far is Mike Evans. He's the only dude who's ever, who's, who's, who's ever done it in an age 21 season. And then at age 22 out of what, like 308, um, 308 uh, players that they had for this year's update, it looks like about 15 of them had one at age 22, uh, 24 had them at age 23, um, about 22 or so had them at age 24, but then you get a huge leap for the age 25 season where that's the most out of the whole sample of like, you know, right. like more like 40 players had them at that age 25. And then what you would expect, of course, is since we're talking about, since we're not talking about uh, percentages of the total overall group, we're talking about actual uh, units here. We're actually talking about actual people. Of course, we're going to see a precipitous decline from there simply because not many players are going to stay in the league much past their fourth season in the league. Right. So you're going to see a decline. And I understand that, that, that the fact that we're looking at that in units, whenever we look at wide receiver peak age is always going to make the decline look like it happens after the average life expectancy of a wide receiver in the national football league. Right. We're going to see a decline about peak wide receiver age at that time. But, and, and I, I feel like from age 25 to age 29, that is accounted for within the way that this particular graph looks at age 30 shit falls off a cliff. And uh, to me, it's like, I've been a 30 year old man. I've been a man in my thirties for almost, for almost <laughs> 10 years now. I know what happens physically to your body. Right. And, and it's, it's, it, um, it's right. not, it, it not, it, what I'm saying is it not only have, it not only has to do with the natural attrition that's going to occur over the course of these qualifying players, NFL careers right at some point they're just going to retire they're not gonna have peak seasons they're going to if they're going to retire at a certain point during that there's obviously a career arc that leads unless in the case except in the cases of these guys that have to go out at the peak of their powers which isn't very often there's going to be a career arc that goes up and then leads down into retirement so i i, I understand that but the drop it, it's it's a precipitous it isn't that it, it isn't the level drop like it is from 25 to 29. Once you get to 30 and then 31, and then the one from 31 to 32 is perhaps more major than the one from 29 to 30. So I, I'm, I'm interested in getting players on my dynasty rosters where at least I'm getting to ride out the natural attrition of the age 25 to age 29 seasons. And I just feel like whenever we start looking at these DeAndre Hopkins of the world, these Devontae Adams, these Michael Thomas, as good as they are, there's – um, for dynasty, man, it feels like I'm getting in a, a a good bit late at the game, and it's just like how much are those four year, how much are those what five years worth of AJ Brown to you? How much are those seven years worth of CD Lamb to you? Do they make up for what you're going to get in the next two years as far as the difference between the Devonte Adams, the DeAndre Hopkins, the Michael Thomas, et cetera? Yeah, and I, and I think, and I understand your point, and I think that some of when you talk about 
the fall off age at 30. You know, when you talked about guys like Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson, like those big bodied receiver, Julio Jones, that definitely happens. The the smaller receivers, the Tyreek Hill types, the even DeAndre Hopkins, they, they tend to age a little bit better as they rely more on their area quickness. And in Hopkins case, uh, you know, with his elite hands, he's got uh, one of our top five quarterbacks in, uh, in Kyler Murray's going to be playing with. And I think that what happens with these older wide receivers and uh, the, when we talk older, we're talking about the age 27 to 30 guys is let's think about it just from a redraft perspective. Those guys are likely to be the, you know, the, the top three or four receivers taken off the board. And the, what I think dynasty players, um, what, what sometimes what they forget is that the, the object of the game is to win a championship this year. And obviously we're not going to punt away uh, some age equity uh, just you know, for the absolute short-term game. But if we think that Devontae Adams, who's going to be force-fed the ball, and Aaron Rodgers is looking a lot better than we thought at this time last year, I think there's something to the strategy of going after the older guys as late first-round picks. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't argue with the strategy of, of – of gaining five years of age equity in AJ Brown. But you know, just think about it like in dating in your twenties, right? When you're dating in your twenties and you see a player like Justin Jefferson and he's done it for one year, you're not just going to like go marry the first woman that you, that you date, right? You want to see, you want to kind of grow with her for a couple of years. And that's what we've seen with some of these, these older guys. We know what Devontae Adams is. We know what DeAndre Hopkins is. We're ready to, to commit to that. We're ready to, to, you know, invest in that equity. Now it might only be a two year window, but as I said in the last podcast, I think dynasty is more of a two and three year game than it is a five and eight year game. And of course, Justin Jefferson and CD lamb, they're going to be around for a lot longer. And I still love those guys as top 24 overall picks and certainly as top 12 dynasty wide receivers. But I I think it, it, it could be, Lost on us, self-included sometimes, to dismiss the old guys uh, for winning that championship this season. No, I get it. I mean, I get it. We want to win. We want to win championships right now. But I mean, here's the th- Justin Jeff. I mean, I wish there was like I wish there was like a dynasty consensus that I could look at just to see. I mean, doesn't it feel like Justin Jefferson should be a top five pick in as far as wide receivers in dynasty right now? Yeah, and that's what we thought. And again, there's a great case for it, as he has been the wide receiver three over the last month. I checked that out before we got here, and he's he's certainly a top, uh, was it 14 wide receiver when you factor in those first couple weeks where he didn't do much. But this is the trap that I think dynasty players, self-included, fall into. Like, we did it with Juju Smith-Schuster, right? He was, uh, the year after he broke out, he was a top eight overall player. Not just a top eight wide receiver. He was a top eight overall dynasty player. And what happened? Um, he disappointed the next year. I think he was like wide receiver 50 as a general guiding principle. And it does, this is just one of the principles that I use when creating dynasty rankings. I want to see a player that's done it for two seasons before I'm building my whole team around you. Now, of course there's going to be exceptions. You guys were high on Justin Jefferson from the get go. When everyone was calling him a slot receiver that couldn't get off the line, you and Byron were continuously saying, no, no, this is, an, this is an NFL superstar. So if you're seeing something in him that breaks the mold of what we normally look for in Dynasty, which is a banked production for multiple years, 
then yes, I, I would agree that he has to be exactly where you said a top three, top five dynasty asset at the wide receiver position. I was just, when I made my original pillar of these rankings and, and the listeners of this podcast will be able to see them real soon. I put him right around wide receiver 10 uh, with, you know, players like AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin over him because we've only seen it for less than a season. I mean, I love AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin too. I mean, it's like, but, but look, Jeff, the thing about Jefferson is he is, is he is young. And if you look at just, if, if you just look at the, if, if you look at the, ever since he started seeing targets, which was basically week three versus Tennessee, he's only, he's only given you stinkers and, and, and FFPC scoring, which is what we care most about here, right? So mm-hmm. he's only giving you stinkers. The, the one time at Seattle that was basically inexplicable because that was a close loss. I can't believe he only had five targets in that game. At that point in time, Seattle was just such an epic matchup. And then he didn't have a good game versus uh, Detroit or versus Green Bay either. But just every these spike these spike weeks just are, that are happening is like week three he had the he had you know a thirty one pointer. But you know the next week at Houston he, he was serviceable. Week five was a throwaway week. Week six was a monster you know, thirty eight point game. Uh, weeks eight and nine were general throwaways. I guess nine um, at Detroit was salvageable. He got you basically double digits. But then the, just this one this one month run from week ten to well, you know, just, he's wide receiver three from week 10 on yeah. Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams, are the only two players that are above him in the, in the last four weeks. And he's just, and you know, when you have guys like, you know, Randy Moss and all these other guys coming on Twitter saying like, Holy shit. Uh, look at this guy. He's offensive rookie of the year. I just, um, I'm not sure he's like, I don't know. That's probably a good discussion. Who's offensive rookie of the year. Is it Jefferson? Is it, it's Herbert. Justin Herbert, James Washington. I mean, it's, it's it's, young, right? Well, but he's a defensive. Oh, no, you said okay. defensive. Mm-hmm. I, I think even Tristan Wirfs could, like, could be somebody with how good he's been blocking for Tom Brady, but they would never give it to an offensive lineman. Um, but regardless, dude, I just feel like we're talking rarefied air when we're talking Justin Jefferson. I, I don't want to, I don't want to take a stand on Justin Jefferson to where we are. And I think where we would be, here's the thing. I want Justin Jefferson more than I want Calvin Ridley. I think at this That's point, a fair statement, especially, you know, given what we've seen Ridley already do when, uh, Julio's out of the lineup. Right? Yeah. He's- so, so, yeah. So I think that, and, and I think that, um, even though I had CD Lamb rated a little bit higher coming out, I don't know what to. I don't know how to. Squ- what do you think about squaring those two? I mean, can, yeah. we, can we get up CD and Jefferson? Okay, so does, I, I think you're right, and everything you're saying there. The 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 real debate comes, and this is where you take because I I think that putting uh someone like Justin Jefferson over CD Lamb over uh, uh that that's fine, but over Calvin Ridley fine but the real question is with one year of production are we really uh, like are we going to take him at pick eight overall in our dynasty startup league over a player like Devontae Adams over a player like Hopkins or Michael Thomas that again I I don't know if we're going to answer that question today it's just that this is exactly what happened with Juju Smith-Schuster and I know, you know, we, we I don't yeah. want to circle back with the same arguments, but are you comfortable building a dynasty team on a player that's done it for one year? And every individual dynasty player is going to have to answer that question. Uh, well, yeah, or they're going to they're they're going to have to look at our rankings and they're they're going to have to right. answer for it. <laughs> right. Well, I I, th- I think well, here's the thing about Juju too, man. Um, 
she, I, and we're talking, are you, are you, are you, are you talking after Juju's first season? Right. And then the other thing too, though, man, is that Juju got, got really swindled in his year too. He had Duck Hodges throwing the footballs and like all this other stuff. It's like people say, you know, oh, he can't do it without Antonio Brown. It's like, well, that that's kind of bullshit, right? He can't do it with Devlin Hodges and, you know, fucking Mason Rudolph and these other assholes. And if you look at this year, I, I don't, I mean, Juju hasn't been just a epic, horrible, horrible bust. I mean, it's no, just. But if, you, if you grabbed him in a startup two years ago at one eight, you're not happy. Yeah, I don't think that you. I don't think that you're happy. But I mean, geez, I mean, he's had a seven. He's had a seven touchdown, seven and touchdown saying, season. You know, yeah, so. I'm not saying it's not. That's not definitely what's going to happen with Justin Jefferson. But if we look back at historicals, generally the best bets when we're building our team around a player is that if they've done it for two years at the wide receiver position. Obviously, with running back, if we see a rookie come in and dominate. Uh, like like Zeke did. I mean, yes, that's a first. You know, running backs often produce right away. Wide receivers sometimes. We just want to see something with the wide receivers. Like, let's look at you know just using another example from this year. Look at the difference of T. Higgins and Chase Claypool from uh, you know the middle of the season to where they are now. Over the last month, I think those guys are like wide receiver fifty. A mm-hmm. month ago, people were talking about Chase Claypool as a first round startup dynasty player. It's you know, we want to see something from our rookies, from the wide receiver. We just want to see just flashes of it. And that's good enough to at least consider them in the top 24. It's when we see sustained production, like we have with Justin Jefferson, that's where we get into this tricky conversation is, are we really going to make him a top five wide receiver? And I have no objection to it other than the cautionary tale is that as a guiding principle, two years of bank production. Again, I, I, I make the, the joking, the, the dating references, dating someone for a long time, you get to know them a little better and you're ready to commit to them. I'm not so sure uh, in this short time of, I'm putting air quotes here, of dating Justin Jefferson if I'm, if I'm ready to fully commit yet until I know all his flaws. Could be wrong, but it's a gamble where in the first round, you don't need to take a gamble. That's all that, you know, when you're around two, round three, as you go deeper into your draft, you want to take more risk for upside in round one. I just want to avoid stepping on a landmine in round one, because there's so many other great options. That makes sense. I, I I would, I would think, I would think that if we, if we, whenever we do the, yeah, I would just think when we do this, I'm looking at the general overview of the rankings here. And I think one QB or two or the super. I'm I'm going to look at the one. I'm looking at one QB just because I'd like to. I'd like to. Let's just center this conversation around one QB. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's probably there's probably uh, you just look and you say like, well, do I want to take a twenty? I think at that point in time, the question is not so much do I take a Devontae Adams or do I take a DeAndre Hopkins. It's or do then do I take a Justin Jefferson at like 108 or 109? I think at that point you say, well, if DeAndre Swift or J.K. Dobbins or somebody's still there, do I take one of those guys over one of the old receivers? So yeah, I, I mean, think that I think that maybe what uh, I think maybe we we could structure it to where wide receiver five is more of a guy that you're taking around pick 2.03, say. Yes. You know, we push the running backs up a little bit, and then you don't feel as weird about taking the Justin Jeffersons the C.D. Lambs, the Terry McLaurins, et cetera, maybe during that point in your draft. I think that solves that problem completely because you're not forced to take a wide receiver. Now, even in a three-wide receiver league, 
where uh, th- say you're playing in one of the leagues, the FFPC leagues, where it's three wide receivers and a flex. Y- you do, I mean, it is a, a, a chalky but smart strategy to lay in three wide receivers. And then as your dynasty goes on, you can draft guys or just pluck in, you know, one injury away guys in round eight through, you know, the end of your draft to fill in at running back. It is much harder. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. To find waiver wire guys or later uh, round players in drafts at the wide receiver position. So that is the argument for the wide receivers. Well, but but, but I no. think... No, because that 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 technically is not true. Because the what 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 the way it is, and you know the guy the guy who's done a ton of studies about this is is Rich Rebar over at Sharp Football Analysis. Yeah, yeah. Who's a who's a nice guy? I actually met him at the Roto Grinders party this this last year for the Super Bowl. And um, super sharp man. That guy will talk to you about football until your ears fall off. But <laughs> I mean, what, what he said is, for what he said for the last couple of years is that we. Once you get past the top level of running back, it's like the running back twos are only getting you like 40% of the production that a running back one traditionally gets you in a year. Whereas the wide receiver twos get you like 60% of wide receiver one production. So so it it should be that the tail that you could be able to pick off later on should technically by the numbers be the wide receivers that you can, unless we're, unless you're saying, Unless you're saying just due to age and do stuff like that, people in dynasty are going to let some of these guys fall. I could I could see that being the case, but I, I I do I do I do think that you make a good point in reminding me that FFPC is three wide receiver, one flex. Yeah, and also it's just which wide receivers are projectable. We I think we often we make a mistake by when we when we do research, and I agree with you, Lord Reeves is uh, he's such a fun follow on Twitter because if you really are like to dive into this stuff, I mean he's one of the guys that's doing uh, crunching all these crazy numbers, and I think that it's all about projectable starts too. I think that is something we have to keep in mind, and if you're grabbing wide receiver twos in the middle rounds, you good luck trying to find out when to start those guys. I think what's so great about taking th- you know wide receivers early. So say you you land two or three of the top 20 wide receivers, you're never worrying about should I start this guy or not. You're just putting them in your lineup. Running backs are easier to project when to start. And again, we're getting a little bit more into a philosophical how to build your roster discussion. I'll swing it back over to um your, you know, how to build a dynasty roster using the dynasty depot rankings. And I think that you hit it on the head by saying you could pivot to a running back that's bankable in the first round and get, still get Justin Jefferson. I don't think he's going to be a first round dynasty pick. And if he is, it's more risk than I think is necessary to assume. So, I mean, where do you see Justin Jefferson in one QB leagues going and say redraft next year? Do you see him going on the one, two turn? You think someone, or do you see him more as a two, three turn guy? I think he'll go a little bit earlier than Thielen went this year. So probably I think he'll go. Yeah, no, like early third. Okay. But, but, but see, but see, you're getting a guy who like, we, there's no way we can project him at the peak of his powers, and and and, and unless he's the weird one out of 308 wide receiver, Mike Evans, it's like he's not at the peak of his powers. Only one guy's done that in his rookie season. He's yeah. going to continue to get better and better. So it's like we're getting the, you know, we're getting a guy coming on, like you said, wide receiver three over since 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 week ten. 
Um, we're, we're just now getting, you know, maybe this next season will be his peak, but I, I tend to think that it, that it, that it won't. Um, I, I just, whenever I look at the season, the future seasons in aggregate, I know we need to think about it in two and three year terms. I've been, I've been sort of forced to think about dynasty that way because in the, my two oldest leagues, not necessarily my two biggest money leagues, but my two oldest leagues that I care most about, we only have three and four year contracts in those leagues. So I like, mm-hmm. I've been, I've been ever since I started playing Dynasty. I've been sort of conditioned to think in that way, and it's. I feel like it's been helpful to me to have more of a win now approach, more of an open to trading approach, more of a more of an aggressive approach to trying to consistently, you know, trying to consistently win championships and not doing this stuff where it's it's very rare on one of my Dynasty leagues where I'll tell you that I'm that I'm tanking this year. It's just like I, I I'm like I don't ever put myself in those situations. It we doesn't always it, it 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 doesn't always work out, but you know, I like I'm I'm never I'm 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 that that isn't the way I think about it philosophically. And so I'm glad you and I are aligned in that way that we're thinking about it. But with that said, Jesus Christ, Justin Jefferson, if you can have him for six years, it's like yep. um I, I just I, I think that that's really that really is worth it's worth enough to where I I, I mean we're all, we're on the same page. He's 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 gonna move up. It's yeah. just a matter of it's just a matter of where. It's a matter of how he'll be. Do you have any do you have any do you have any takes on on his positioning in regard to CeeDee Lamb? Because CeeDee Lamb was looking like he was gonna be the wide receiver one in short order there with 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 Dak. Um right. Dak, now, and- I mean, are we just I, I guess we're assuming Dak's back with the Dak's back with the Cowboys because if we know that Dak's not back, clearly, you know, it would be we would have to get C.D. Lamb down a down a good bit because we'd have to bake that uncertainty at the quarterback position into into his ranking. Yeah, I think if Dak's not back for some reason, we have to, I, I'm comfortable assuming that they've upgraded the position, which would be hard to do, right? I mean, Jerry Jones, he he's interested in winning championships, and he's going to open up the wallet if he feels Dak is is going to be back. And I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. I mean, yes, there was an injury, but I think that it's more certainty what's going to be with the Dallas Cowboys situation than there is going to be with the Minnesota. I mean, I know Kirk Cousins is there for the short term, but are you really, we can't predict who the Minnesota Vikings quarterback is going to be in three seasons from now. We don't know. So it really comes down to your player evaluation and then I think your situation second. So player evaluation could have changed because what we what you see on Saturday player doesn't always translate to Sunday, and sometimes it translates better. So I agree with you that Justin Jefferson, if we were drafting a dynasty league today, has to be taken over C.D. Lamb. So in our position right now, we have C.D. Lamb as wide receiver eight, and we have uh, Justin Jefferson as wide receiver 10. I think as a short-term Band-Aid, we could flip those guys right now as a starting point before we massage the rest of this out. Does that seem reasonable to you? Yeah, but I, I think both are going to have to climb from from there. We're just going right. to have to figure out how they do it. and With Ridley but, moving down. Yes, Ridley moving down. and then, I mean, we'll have to we'll, – let's just see what happens for the rest of this. Let's have, see what happens with the rest of the season with Michael Thomas and Taysom Hill. I mean, the volume seems like it's fine. He's not hurting Thomas the same way that he's hurting Alvin Kamara, but um, that's just, we'll keep an eye on that as, as well. But I just feel like, yeah, I mean, we, I think we need both those guys creeping towards the top five as I sort of look at, as I sort of look at the landscape here. So what this tells me though, Alex, is that if you, uh, and you're very dialed into the dynasty market, as you've talked about, like if you're seeing Michael Thomas as a player who is not, a, a slam dunk top five. That means if you like Michael Thomas, you, the listener, that there's a buying opportunity, 
right? I mean, when oh, yeah. this yeah. time last year, there was no buying opportunity for Michael Thomas, nothing where you would have to basically crack into the 401k to get him. So right now, if you still believe, and Michael Thomas has had historic seasons, not good seasons, not great, historic seasons, that's already banked. And he's, you know, he's presumably he's still, he's still a couple of years away from his from his initial cliff, and that's not even that. We're just talking about that first cliff, yeah. Right? So that, cliff. that to me smells like a buying opportunity. Um, as we, you know, that's what's so great about hashing our rankings out on on a podcast is that different ideas and actionable pieces come from that. Oh uh, well, I, look, man, I know this is just something where I know it's just an oversight by you, but um, this. Uh, there are a couple Pete players around here that like you could talk if you want about Will Fuller. I, I mean, I own Will Fuller in Dynasty. He's only what twenty six, but if um, he didn't get be, hurt, sure. he didn't get he hurt. Didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't get hurt. I guess he just it feels like he's not available yet again. During you know, it's like he 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 wrecked he um, he wrecked you at the very end. It wasn't from getting hurt, so it's like I that's fine. Um, but look, man, Henry Ruggs doesn't belong anywhere fucking near just like for, any of this stuff. Like he, we're just going to move him, you know, let's move him 20 spots down and just not even need to talk about it. All right. Well, just, to, just to give context to, to those listening to the podcast, uh, my initial rankings, I had him up at wide receiver 24. Alex immediately, um, took issue with that. And I, and I see the case. It's like, we want to see something from our wide receivers, especially our first round pedigree guys, especially with especially with Brandon Ayuk, is bit like Brandon Ayuk should fucking actually I, Brandon Ayuk should be up here with Stephon Diggs and like Amari Cooper and Will Fuller and stuff like so I um I mean what it, it hasn't it been hasn't it been just amazing to see what he's been able to do this yeah. year like just so quietly uh, just this yards after catch stuff it's like man like Shanahan you guys said. You called it in the beginning of the year. You said that it, one of the things that you said on the podcast, when I was doing some of the, the video content for you, uh, memorializing some of those those takes, I looked back at the Brandon Ayuk one, and you said that he has run after the catchability that mirrors Odell Beckham. Yeah, but what but 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 what but what uh but what Shanahan says, and this is this is so true. What Shanahan says is like we almost feel like this dude is our version of like a, in a weird way. It's like him and Debo Samuel are our versions of a Derrick Henry. These are the guys when they get the football in their hands. That the people in the secondary, like they, these are these are big. These are t these are t like not not um, you know not the biggest uh, the biggest as far as their size and their stuff. I mean, they're big guys. They're both. I mean, I've stood next to both these guys. They're both re they're both really well fucking put together guys. And the way that they run, they just run with such physicality. They bring their pads with them in ways that you just don't see from these other guys. And he's like, it demoralizes teams. Like these teams, whenever the, whenever you see these guys running at you, it's like, it isn't like tackling these other guys. They, they can create missed tackles. They, 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 they bring their pads. It's, it's, it's an intimidation factor that they look for. In their wide receivers, and I I know that Debo Samuel was there, but dude, just look at the court. Look at this season. The, the basically the whole season, man. He's only gotten you three games in FFPC with less than ten points, and the other games are twenty one point one, thirteen point six, seventeen point five, twenty three point one, nineteen point seven, twenty point five, twenty one point nine. I mean, I love Debo, but Brandon Ayuk certainly appears like he's the alpha there. Uh, and he comes with a better draft pedigree than 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 Debo. So I and 
I mean, he's done it with shit quarterback play this this yeah. season. Don't um, you have that feeling that Brandon Ayuk is going to be one of the best value in early startups next year? Like, I you'll probably be able to get him like in the fourth or fifth round, and he probably, like you just said, should be like a late third rounder. It's, I'm just I'm just smelling that vibe, especially with especially with how much people break in, bank in bank in draft capital into these things. I mean, do, do people not forget that he was the he was the he was the overall pick twenty five in the draft? Yeah, I mean, Shanahan also said he said he would have taken him uh, at pick thirteen, wherever the, their original pick was, and that they knew that he, they didn't have to get him there, so they moved back. I mean, it, it's it, whatever. It doesn't even matter how much we think of him; the team thinks highly of him. So, uh, your point, I'm just underlining an exclamation pointing your point there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so I I think that that with Ayuk, I mean, which is like I think he belongs in a different kind of a different stratosphere than this initial ranking. Okay, so. Um, so just to give again, we, right now I have met wide receiver twenty nine. We both agree that's absurdly low. The problem is, I don't even know the problem. I think we're going to be ahead of cons- rightly ahead of consensus on him. My feeling is he will be around wide receiver twenty four, and I think you're comfortable and I, I'm I'm with you making him as high as wide receiver seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Ish. Yes. No. Yep. Uh, and may I'm comfortable. With, I'm comfortable with him. All the way to why I'm comfortable with him all the way to DJ Moore, dude. Maybe okay. I, I don't know. Maybe not Allen Robinson. I uh, I think yes, I'm comfortable with him. I'm comfortable with him as a high end wide receiver two in Dynasty. That's what that's what I think Brandon Ayuk should be. I think he should he should be a yeah. high end wide receiver two in Dynasty. And in, in your startup drafts, you'll be able to pull like an arbitrage on him. You'll be able to. In the, when that tier of strong wide receiver twos goes on a run in round three or round four, you'll be able to trade back and still get your guy and probably pick up a little draft capital. We're on the same page there. Uh, I, the love, next- I love this. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're like this whole area where you had these, you were, we have Cortland Sutton, Brandon Ayuk, Juju, and Deontay, uh, maybe DJ Chark to some degree, although I worry a little bit about just. Um, the fact that he bitches about his quarterback and then he gets the quarterback he wants and that quarterback sucks and <laughs> doesn't get him the football. Then he gets Gardner Minshew back, who he bitched about to begin with. And now, you know, Minshew won't throw him the ball because he was such a punk earlier. But, but I don't think he's like, going to be fields anyway next year, right? Oh, that would, that would be fantastic. I, I think these guys like Cortland Sutton um, and the Steelers guys, like if, they, if they're going to be falling here to be these sort of, middling to low end wide receiver three type of guy. I mean, Cortland Sutton, he's only 25. Like that's a, he's going to be a, he's going to be a steal. And I just, I think the people have, people might be overreacting here to uh, Juju and Deontay as we kind of move down. But um, I'm not saying necessarily I want to make the same drastic move up with those guys as I'm talking about with Brandon Ayuk, just because the, you know, Brandon Ayuk has at least two years in age on both of those guys or on all three, all three of the, all three slash four of those guys. But um, I do think that when I'm drafting in my startups this year, which I'll obviously be doing a little bit more because of these uh, these associations with Dynasty Depot and the FFPC, I think that I'll be looking in that in that area certainly to you know to maybe to maybe fill up on a fill up on a few of those guys because it feels like those guys are going to be really really good values. Um, just a couple others I wanted to touch on before we let you yeah. get out of here and get back to it. Uh, I think that you know. I think that everything looks pretty, pretty good through here. I was surprised to see. I'm I'm always surprised to look down and see that Odell Beckham is going to be 28. It's like it's almost like that guy is, um, that guy is 
it feels like the prime of his career has kind of been wasted a little bit. You know, it's it's kind of sad. Yeah, um, I mean, he'll be he'll be a, a a great value next year at startup. You'll be able to get him in the seventh round. I mean, somebody still he's still one of the players that has name value, and if he ends up on another team, you know, it'll be context dependent. But I, I'm just curious because you know, uh, Roster Watch was I don't want to say one of the first; they were the first to identify Denzel Mims. And right now I have him floating in the wide receiver 36 bucket. Like, you know, he's right outside there. And let's let's assume Trevor Lawrence for a moment, okay? Let's assume a coach that is an um, offensive-minded coach that we like. Mm -hmm. How comfortable are you? I mean, Denzel Mims seems like the perfect off-season dynasty buy right now. Do I have him too high, too low, or is that just right for you at wide receiver 37? No, I think it's right, especially considering the guys who you have just right here, right here around him. Um, because I would have a hard time picking between Jalen Rager and Denzel Mims and Michael Pittman. I mean, Denzel Mims and Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman, the Senior Bowl were our two favorites. I, if you'd asked me leaving the Senior Bowl last year, who I chose between those two, I'd have said no question, Denzel Mims. Um, after this season, I mean, Pittman's looked good, fuck, but but I mean, Mims has looked good too. It's just like yeah. so many of those un, unrealized unreal, areas have to do with the fact that his quarterback play is really, really sucked. Um, well, it's not going to suck next I, year, right? I, I no, I mean, I had Denzel Mims ranked above Jalen Rager coming into this. Now, Jalen Rager clearly, you know, Den, 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 Denzel Mims had a. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm stammering over my words because I'm trying to think. I think that he had. Yeah, he was a redshirt senior, so he's a he's a little bit older. Uh, Jalen Rager, of course, came out after his junior season. So Mims is twenty three, but again, we're going to think of dynasty at the most in a five year clip, right? We're not we're yeah. not going to try to project who's going to be good and who's going to be around and what situations are outside of three to five years, five the max. So if we know that Denzel Mims is going to have his peak production years with say just presumably Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I think it's fair to make an evaluation like it, it, yes, we have him right here currently at wide receiver 37, but there may still be some value to be had. We could be talking about him as a top 20 option next year easily. I could see it. Okay, uh just two more things. Paris Campbell should be ahead of Brian Edwards. I think okay. Brian Edwards is too high here and Paris Campbell's too low. I'm not saying that I want Paris Campbell moved to where you have Brian Edwards currently. Well, but let's I think the, where do okay. you where right now do I have Paris Campbell wide receiver what fifty seven versus Brian Edwards is wide receiver forty six. Okay, so you and think so? I, yeah, I think that Brian Edwards is like he can't get on the field over Nelson Aguilar, and Paris Campbell was looking like he was going to break out this year before he got hurt, and we'd all said that that was going to happen. And Paris Campbell runs a four three, and I know that Brian Edwards has the the college. You know, if we're dude, if we're if we're just talking about guys that have just the high dynamic scores, that I mean, and you could point to Brian Edwards as that. Paris Campbell has the same kind of dynamic score as Brian Edwards. When you look at all the ancillary stuff, when you look at the rushing yards, you look at the return yards, you look at everything else. And Paris Campbell's the be, the the overall better uh, explosive profile. So I, I I when you just when you you know you just, when when you, when you juxtapose those two guys, um, I just. I see some similarities between them and those that's why I sort of they're about the same age. They're both the same sort of dynamic score, like Wonderkind kind of players. Um, I would prefer Campbell over Edwards, and they seem like they're a good bit apart. So I think that maybe Edwards comes down, Campbell comes up just a little bit, and we get just, those 
The obvious concern, though, is now we're talking about two years of lost season with Paris Campbell. I I, I was very high on Paris Campbell in startups this year. Um, in I did about because of you know the, all the quarantine lockdown. I think I did six startups over the the spring last year, uh, and. I was always the one everyone was ooing and eyeing, yelling out reach when I took Paris Campbell in like the eighth or ninth round. So I'm with you on look, and I, I was right until I was wrong. But now going on two years, I th it, you're not concerned at all about because when you yes, I, well, receiver, yes, I am. But we're, we're we're talking about back end wide receivers four, back end wide receiver fours here, and like if we're just if we're comparing him to Brian Edwards, I'm more worried that I'm I'm less worried about Paris Campbell's what is what is Achilles or whatever it is than I am about or what is it with Paris Campbell? Let me look it up. What was the injury? I I've forgotten by now what it was. It was something. I think it was multiple injuries. It was. Uh, they might have all been connected somehow, but either way, it's KO'd him for two seasons in a row. And yeah, but what was it this year? Because I remember thinking it was. Um, so it's, it's a sore. It's a, it's a all right. So it's a torn MCL and PCL. It wasn't even an ACL. So look, man, I'm I'm less worried about an MCL PCL issue than I am about the fact that Brian Edwards can't get on the fucking field over Nelson Stonehands Aguilar. It's like yeah. that's crazy to me. So th those are the things. Um, those are the things that I would uh, I would consider there. And then the only one other thing is, and you can respond to that however you want. The only other thing I'll say before I hand it over to you and we get out of here is mm -hmm. just Travis Fogum. I just hate seeing him anywhere on this goddamn list. This guy sucks. I. I I can't I couldn't believe it when he went off for those two big games, the three big games, whatever it was. What I could believe though is that he completely fell off and the, if you had to start him at all in the last 4 5 weeks in fantasy football, it's been an it's been an it's been an absolute nightmare. I don't think that he belongs over any okay, I mean I, I have a question for you Alex. I have a question for you. So we're going to talk about a five-week spam, which in a fantasy football season, we know fantasy football is all small sample size. But within that subset, there was a five-week run of Travis Fulgham. Where from weeks four to week eight, I just want you to guess what wide receiver did he rank? He was wide receiver what in that five-week span? He was good for a while there. I mean, I picked oh, him up what, one of my dynasties. What um, wide receiver number was he? His uh, rank from weeks four to week eight this year? Nine. Wide receiver one. No, that's, that's I'm just saying is that I agree with you that it was a piece of the season, but what if that piece of the season happened over the last five weeks instead of five weeks ago? I agree with you that Travis Fulgham, it could just be a flash in the pan, but he does own that skill set that he showed over a reasonably sustained period of time. And again, I'm not saying that he should be in our top 40. I'm not even saying he should be in our top 50. I'm just saying is that when you get into the, uh, Let's see. I have him currently where I have him at wide receiver 60. I think that's within the cut line of guys worth a gamble. Uh, when you're talking about Prashad Perryman, when you're talking about an older Jarvis Landry. Yeah, but Preston now we're talking about Gabriel Davis and Darnell Mooney and, agreed. and agreed. like some of these, like even Donovan Peoples Jones, we've seen flash and some of like some of these, like I'm just, I'm looking at like Tim, I guess Tim Patrick's 27, but, um, you know, Auden Tate's young and going to be a free agent. Like, there's a there's a bunch of these guys who Tim Patrick's going to be a free agent. By the way, I think he's going to be an interesting guy depending on landing spot. Yeah, but I just I just with with with, with Travis Fulgham, we're talking about a guy who 
at, at Old Dominion was was what he had he had like what a thirty a, like a thirty four percent dominator something like that I think he's like sixty eighth percentile at fucking Old Dominion he runs a four six forty it's like yeah. he like he, he like what what is he even what is it like look even as a, even even his agility drills were bad and like I'm just like what what is it when we look at Travis Fulgham do we have to fall back on and do we have to say that we're comfortable with except for one five game stretch during the most cockamamie season that anybody's <laughs> ever seen in the National Football League yeah. or otherwise I say get him the fuck down in the rankings.